Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The dun 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 edition as the Bengals host the Buffalo Bills on Monday night at Paycor Stadium. And by the way, this podcast is named Heavy Action because that is the actual name of the Monday Night Football theme song. You're welcome for the trivia question. Coming up, I'll talk to Boomer Esiason about Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, and what it's going to take to beat the Bills. You'll hear from Logan Wilson about facing his former teammate, Josh Allen, Hakeem Adeniji on moving into the starting lineup at right tackle, and Cam Sample on his increased role after injuries to Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. And finally, in this week's Know the Foe segment, we'll spend a few minutes with the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since... Pilots. As you may have read, the Bengals had a little trouble getting home from New England after beating the Patriots on Christmas Eve. About 15 minutes into the flight home, one of the flight attendants notified us that due to a mechanical issue, we were going to have to divert to New York and land at JFK Airport. That was a little unsettling, but didn't seem like a major issue. A few minutes later, the pilot got on the intercom and said, Folks, this is your captain speaking. We're having a mechanical issue with one of the engines, so we're going to land at JFK and have it checked out. We should touch down in about 15 minutes. We apologize for the inconvenience. Okay, so now we know it's engine-related, and that made me a little nervous, but the players were happy about the win and barely seemed to notice. The landing in New York was pretty bumpy, but still felt like normal turbulence. As one of my colleagues put it, about a 3 on a scale to 10. But when we hit the runway, we were greeted with about 10 fire trucks with their lights flashing. It was only after landing that we learned exactly what happened when the pilot got back on the intercom and said, Okay, folks, while we were in the air, a warning indicated that there was an issue with the left engine. So, after checking the proper procedure, I shut it down and we landed with one engine at the nearest airport. We should have another plane ready to go shortly. Thank you for your patience. Amazing. He shut off an engine and landed with one like it was nothing. We got home several hours late, but we got home safely. All I can say is, thank God for pilots. Now, let's look ahead to Monday's game between the 11-4 Bengals and the number one playoff seed in the AFC at the moment, the 12-3 Buffalo Bills. It's no coincidence that when the schedule came out in May, the NFL picked this matchup to be the final Monday night football game of the year. It figured to be a critical game, and that is exactly how it's played out. A huge game warrants a big-time guest, and that's exactly what we have on this podcast. We are joined this week by one of the greatest Bengals of all time, Boomer Esiason. And Boomer, let's start with an obvious topic, and you know what's coming, Joe Burrow. You had a great career, 14 years MVP, took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Is there anything about Joe Burrow at age 26 in his third season that you wish you had had in your playing days? Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's, it's, I wish I were playing during this, uh, during this time in the NFL. It's a completely different game than when we played back 
in the, you know, in the eighties. And I don't want to always go back to that, but uh, it's a different game. It's more wide open. Uh, these kids are more prepared coming out of college than we were when we were coming out of college. So, you know, I think he has lived up to every single expectation that I certainly had for him coming out of LSU. I remember talking to Jeff Hobson uh, before the draft and, and he asked me, why are you so sure Joe Burrow is going to be the first overall pick? I said, have you watched him play? Uh, have you watched the boys that he uh, that he possessed on the field for LSU? Did you watch that national championship game? I mean, the kids are can't miss players. So, you know, you, you combine that. And I've said this, you know, many years now watching him play. You combine that with his his whole aspect of being a, a point guard in the high school and being an all state point guard. Uh, you understand that he understands distribution, leadership and how to run a football team. So I'm not surprised by any of this, Dan. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, he's going to go to even greater heights and he'll get his Super Bowl. If it's not this year, it will be in the next coming years. Boomer, he might not have the arm talent of Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have the legs of Lamar Jackson, but I say he's the perfect quarterback for this franchise. And I wouldn't trade him for anybody. You know the city, you know the fan base, you know ownership. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but you know, he's an Ohio kid too. I mean, so he gets the whole thing and uh, he's a local kid and he's done well and he's uh, exceeded every single expectation. There's no question about that. You know, he uh, he can run, believe me. Uh, he's an athlete. He just wants to play quarterback like Tom Brady plays quarterback. I, you know, I would, I would basically compare him to a young Tom Brady. This is what Brady looked like when he finally took over and he, and he really, uh, you know, basically ran the offense for the New England Patriots. So uh, what we're watching to me in terms of the way that he plays is the way that Tom Brady plays the game. You know, Josh Allen uh, plays fearlessly. Uh, he can be chaotic at times, but his game has been refined to now you know, whether it be him, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, or Joe Burrow, you know, we're looking at the four best quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, and I guess in another year or so, Trevor Lawrence will probably join that group. But uh, the big four, as I like to put them in the AFC, you know, all bring something special to their own franchise. And I think all these teams pick the right guys. And when you think about marrying them to the coaching staff, to the city, and to everything that they're bringing to their football teams, all four of those players are perfect fits for their uh, respective organizations. Let's talk about some news of the week, and that involves right tackle Al Collins. In the 88 Super Bowl season, you lost your great right tackle, Joe Walter, final game of the regular season when he was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Now the Bengals have lost Al Collins for the rest of this season. What problems does that present this late in the year? You know, for us, we had Brian Blados uh, that uh, subbed in for uh, Joe Walter. Everybody says, why did I have a number 63 in my helmet that year? Well, that was Joe's number, and Joe was a big part of our success, much like Stanley Wilson was. Um, you know, it's got to be the next man up mentality. You know, when Jamar Chase went down, who do they bring in? Trenton Irwin. Like, everybody's like, who is Trenton Irwin? Uh, well, Trenton Irwin turned out to be a pretty damn good player, so you never know when that opportunity is going to present your, uh, present itself to the next player that is the next man up. And Adinaje has played in big games before. He knows what's going on. You know, he's not going to be overwhelmed. He's not a rookie. Uh, let's see how he does first. And this is going to be a really good test for him because the Buffalo Bills have a good pass rush. Not a great pass rush. It's not facing Von Miller out there, I can tell you that. So luckily for Joe Burrow, uh, you know, Von Miller is out for the rest of the season for the Bills. So you know, it's like you got to think about the locker room itself and how guys look at each other and how long they've been, you know, working together and playing together. And he's there for a reason. He's there for depth. 
And the one good thing about the Bengals is they have had a lot of good depth all throughout their roster this year. When guys have gone down, other guys have stepped up. So Hayden Hurst missed a couple of games. Now all of a sudden, Trent Irwin is running those middle down the middle patterns. You know, at, at six foot two, uh, it's like you're throwing it to a tight end. He may not be as heavy as one, but he's as tall as one, and he's got the athleticism of a wide receiver. So that's the mentality that every team in the league has to have, and that's the mentality that Zach Taylor has definitely brought to the Bengals. So. I know that there's people out there saying that they should go out and sign, you know, Whitworth and bring him back and all that other stuff. Number one, I don't know if he wants to play anymore. And number two, that would reek of desperation to me. That's not who the Bengals are. That's not what this organization is all about. This organization is all about next man up, put him out there. He's experienced and we can win with him because hell they won with him last year. Why couldn't they do it again this year? We're chatting with Boomer Esiason. Three coaches have already been fired this year, including Nathaniel Hackett, who was in his first year, uh, on the job in Denver. The Bengals stuck with Zach Taylor through two tough seasons, and now they're reaping the benefits. What do you admire and respect about Zach Taylor and the job he's done in Cincinnati? Well, Zach was lucky. He uh, was able to draft Joe Burrow, <clears throat> and that's the most important you know, position in all of sports. you got to have the quarterback. you got to have the unquestioned leader, the guy that inspires everybody else, and that includes the defense, the special teams, the front office, the fan base. You know, you have somebody to sell. And it's one of the reasons why the Bengals are so popular, why they're on uh, national television as much as they are, and why this game was selected to be on Monday night before the season even started, because whoever put the schedule together knew that this was going to be a meaningful game. So I, I think Zach Taylor has done a, a magnificent job, but it's really more the patience of the Bengals. Like, we used to make fun of it. You know, Marvin Lewis was there for 15 years. And, you know, Mike Brown is never one to react to fan uh, pressure. He's never going to react to national pressure from people like me that may say, hey, this guy's got to be fired. That guy should be fired. Um, he's always going to do it his way. And that's been the bingo way for as long as I can ever remember. So I, I, I never thought in my wildest dreams that Mike would have gotten rid of uh, Zach early on in his career. Uh, you know, he's a young coach. He was learning on on the fly. And now when you see he and Joe come together and you see what it can really turn into, you realize that it's pretty special. This thing that happened in Indianapolis with my buddy Frank Reich, what happened in Denver, you know, it's obvious to see what happened. You know, they had older quarterbacks. Those older, older quarterbacks were not playing well. The team looks listless. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson has been awful this year. Matt Ryan has been, you know, I would say partly awful when it came to turnovers and things of that nature. You saw his uh, replacement, Nick Falls, throw interceptions. Those are the things that older quarterbacks do that get them in trouble, get their coaches in trouble. So, uh, that's not the case with the Bills or the Bengals because they have young, vibrant quarterbacks. They got really solid head coaches. One an offensive coach, Sean McDermott, is a defensive coach for the Bills. And that's why, you know, these coaches end up lasting a long time. Like Andy Reid, you know, he had Donovan McNabb for all those years. And then all of a sudden has Alex Smith and then drafts of Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't get much better than that for Big Red. So all I can tell you right now, Dan, is we got four great quarterbacks in the AFC, and it's going to be one wild playoff run. And I would tell you Monday night's game is going to be a playoff atmosphere, much like it was in week 13 when we played the Bills when they came to Cincinnati back in 1988 as well. Boomer, when people talk about great defensive minds in the NFL, they'll start with Belichick. They might mention Dan Quinn or Wink Martindale, whatever. Should Lou Anarumo be included on that list? So Lou Anarumo uh, came to the forefront last year. Uh, you know, we had their AFC championship game uh, out there in Kansas City. I, I don't know if you, you were doing the game, so you didn't see halftime when we had the speakers behind us, you know, just absolutely drowning everything out that we were saying. 
but I would, we were all talking about Lou Anarumo and his ability to change up, you know, in the second half of games. And, and he never gives the quarterback a comfort zone of seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, number one, you got to have really smart players on your defense to be able to pull stuff off like that. So the Bengals, you know, when you see their players, you saw Von Bell make this play at the end of the game last week, uh, and B.J. Hill fall on the ball, you know that they understand what's going on, where they are in the game, how important their plays are to be made. And what they did in the second half last year against Patrick Mahomes and what they did to Patrick Mahomes again this year, uh, you know, speaks volumes to who Lou Anarumo is. But really, the players that he has, the ability to adjust on the fly, have a plan and be patient with that plan. So if the, you know, if the Bills score 17 points in the first half on Monday night, you know, he's not going to panic. He'll come back and he'll have something for the second half that Josh hasn't seen yet. So I, I think he's definitely a guy that is on everybody's radar now uh, because of their success. This has been one of the best defenses in football. You know, they're not San Francisco. You know, that's that's a defense that's on a different level. But I will say that the defense has come up with huge plays throughout the year, and uh, he's a big reason for that. But the players have to buy into what he's selling, and I think that's the combination that makes them work so well together. I did see the video of halftime last year in Kansas City. I'm glad you didn't suffer permanent hearing damage, or at least it doesn't appear that you did. Last thing for Boomer Esiason, Bills and Bengals, Monday night, you've talked about the importance of this game. What do you see as a couple of keys to victory on Monday? Well, you know, number one, uh, the Bills have a hard time with wide receivers. Uh, a lot of wide receivers have had big games against them. You know, they've played against Miami. They've struggled against Miami's wide receivers. And I would say that Cincinnati is right there with the Miami wide receivers, especially with the emergence of Trent Irwin. And maybe they get Hayden Hurst back, too. So that creates a lot of problems down the field. They're not a blitzing team. They're a team that likes to play seven men in coverage. Uh, one of the reasons they went out and got Von Miller was to create that pressure so they can they can have more guys in the secondary. And they're going to need every guy they possibly can get in the secondary this week against this Bengal uh, wide receiver crew. So to me, if I was Zach Taylor, I walk in. Everybody knows the quarterbacks are important, so you don't have to talk to them. <laughs> they know what they got to do. But you say, hey, if we're going to win this game on offense, the wide receivers got to win the game. Because in my eyes, even with Trey Davis White back with the Buffalo Bills, that's where they're susceptible because they don't have the pass rush that they had prior to Von Miller's in, uh, injury. So, you know, to me that the wide receivers, you know, the big the big guys this week, they got to have the, the mammoth game. And I would like to think that they can. And then on the other side, you know, the Bills will run the ball a lot more. Uh, there's no question that, you know, last week they had a lot of success running the ball. But, you know, to me, you know, it's always Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the wild card because like Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's not uh, overly concerned about running with the ball. And, you know, they actually have bets in their quarterback room in Buffalo. I don't know if you guys knew this, that if he slides, then one of their guys has got to show up just with a jock on the walkthrough, uh, you know, on Wednesdays <laughs> because he never slides. He very rarely ever slides. So uh, he's the wild card, you know, so you've always got to have somebody aware of where he is going to be. And I'm sure that Lou Anarumo will come up with a plan to try to deal with like um, the, the plays that just happen naturally for Josh. And that's a big, big problem for everybody who plays the Bills. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And I think it's just going to be uh, kind of a glimpse into what I think is going to be another great playoff run. Uh, you know, for all of us on the AFC side, because we have uh, the best quarterbacks in the league. Boomer, you're the best. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your kids and grandkids. And we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure, Dan. Thank you very much. Go Bengals. Bengals.
Boot Podcast is brought to you by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. As I mentioned in that conversation with Boomer, the Bengals will have a change in the starting lineup at right tackle. Lael Collins suffered a season-ending knee injury at New England, meaning that third-year pro Hakeem Adeniji will take his place. You are the next man up, as they say. It looked like things went pretty well for you in New England. How did you think you did? Uh, you know, there's there's definitely things to fix, but uh, ultimately was able to go out there and, and, and produce enough to get the job done and we could get a win. Watched it, and, you know, there's plenty of things to clean up, and we have a lot of time to clean things up before uh, the game Monday night. What are your emotions now taking over a right tackle in the hunt with two games left in the regular season? Uh, business as usual. I mean, we've been through this situation last year, and, um, you know, just we know what our goals are, and, you know, Got great guys uh, with experience across the old line. Got a great coach. And so, I mean, it's just going out there and executing uh, just another week, really, honestly. Do you feel happy to be playing tackle in this situation as opposed to being in there at guard last year? Uh, no doubt. Um, you know, it was kind of new playing guard last year. And it's kind of, you know, more natural here playing tackle and, you know, uh, having that full full camp and, and early season as opposed to, you know, last year. Definitely feel a lot better. Energy started the last 13 games last year, including the postseason, at right guard, but he was a tackle in college and appears more comfortable on the outside. According to Pro Football Focus, he was in for 45 pass-blocking snaps last week and did not allow a sack or a quarterback hit. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Monday's game will feature the first ever meeting between two of the NFL's best young quarterbacks, 26-year-old Joe Burrow and 26-year-old Josh Allen. Yes, even though Allen has been in the NFL two years longer than Burrow, he's only six months and 19 days older. Logan Wilson was Josh Allen's teammate at the University of Wyoming. It's like the Wyoming showdown, you know. They think. <laughs> I mean, Wyoming loves well, loves Josh, and rightfully so. I mean, he's our yeah. he's the highest draft pick we've had in school history, and yeah. um, he's represented you know the state very well. And so, guys, the whole state loves him back home. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud to be his former teammate. Uh, obviously, we'll be on the opposing sidelines on Sunday, so it'll be it'll be a cool opportunity for us. He's become so much more accurate. He's worked hard at that, obviously. Are you at all surprised the way that he's developed that aspect of his game? No, I knew the talent was there. He's always he was just like in college. He was just very raw, and those ta- those those skills weren't as developed. Um, and sometimes those things just take time. You know, um, they had a good coaching staff that obviously brought out the best in him. And um, you know what he is today is didn't happen by chance. Josh Allen has thrown for more than four thousand yards and rushed for more than seven hundred. I discussed tackling him and other topics this week with defensive lineman Cam Sample. Cam, the NFL made Bengals-Bills the final Monday night game of the year for a reason. I think they realized there was a good chance that a lot would be at stake in this game. When the schedule came out and you saw Bengals-Bills week 17, did you think the same thing? Honestly, no. I didn't really uh, 
I mean, obviously, you look at the whole schedule, you know it's a great opportunity, but you really don't know the significance. I mean, I know we're both two very good teams, so, but I mean, I didn't know I had this type of impact. But we're just kind of taking the mindset, you know, one game at a time, just trying to get the next win. It's a mindset that has certainly been working well of late. You and your fellow defensive linemen will be trying to sack Josh Allen on Monday night. He's 6'5", 237. Is there a different approach you have to take to try to bring down a guy like that? I would say it's not really much of a difference. I mean, he is a bigger guy, stronger. I mean, we just got to do what we do, um, beat the offensive lineman and get to him and just make the play. So over the last few weeks, you guys have either been without Sam Hubbard or without Trey Hendrickson, and you're the guy that's really been getting the bulk of the snaps in their absence. Last week it was 95%, 53 out of 56 plays. How have you approached these games the last few weeks knowing that your role was going to be so much bigger? The great thing for me is um, my approach really didn't change. I mean, um, the kind of approach I've taken through the whole season is prepares you to start it. So, I mean, when Sam and Trey went down, I mean, I you know, I didn't change my routine, studied the same amount of film, did the same things. I mean, so I was just um, trying to take advantage of the opportunity in front of me. Has it felt like you were back in college or back in high school, being out there for every snap? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that part is definitely back, uh, back to college. But, you, you know, once you get in the flow of the game, you start to catch a second win in rhythm, and, you know, it's just playing ball. We're chatting with Cam Sample. So on the key defensive play last week, the fumble in the final minute forced by Von Bell, you were one of the guys out there that was kind of pushing Ramondre Stevenson backward before the ball was punched out. In that situation, when do you realize that there's a fumble? Do guys start yelling? How do you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a shift in, a big shift in movement or energy. You know, it goes from everybody focus on him to a little, scrum, uh, you know, a little pile to the side. So, I mean, it was a great play by uh, – First DJ, I think he came off a double team, stood him up, and we all rallied to it. And then on the way down, I mean, we always preach attacking the ball. So Vaughn had a great, you know, punch out, and, you know, BJ came up with it. BJ's recovered three fumbles this year. Is that luck or is that skill? Man, I think it's a um, – I'll say it's skill because, I mean, our kind of mentality on defense is hats around the ball. So, I mean, if you if you go around the ball that much, uh, good things tend to happen. So when it comes out, he's in a position to make the play. So I'm going to go with skill with that one. You were next to DJ Reader on that play. You've lined up next to him quite a bit this season. What makes him the immovable object that he is in the middle of your defensive line? I mean, I mean, just the pride he takes in coming in and doing his job to the best of your ability. I mean, he's very technically sound. He takes his job serious, um, approaches it the right way. So, I mean, it's not a surprise for anybody on defense or on the team when we see him making those plays because how hard he works and he does every day in practice. So, that's just him. How cold were you last week? <laughs> oh man, uh, I wasn't cold to after the game, but um, I mean, it, it was cold out there. Way different than New Orleans for sure. How many layers did you have on? I didn't do anything um, out of the ordinary. I wear my long sleeves and socks, so I, same thing, you know. But out there while you're playing, you don't feel it's on the sideline. It would start to start to get to you. We're chatting with Cam Sample. You are a rookie on last year's Super Bowl team. You got into the game. That had to be a thrill. Is this year starting to feel similar with an 11 and four record and a seven game winning streak? I only like to compare years. I mean, everything last year was last year. We kind of put it to bed. But, um, I mean, we're trending in the right direction of our, you know, our main goal to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, uh, we're taking step by step each week to try to accomplish that goal. What was getting into the Super Bowl like for you? I mean, guys go, some players go 10 years, never get a chance to play in that game. There you are in year one, yeah. and you're on the field in L.A. in a Super Bowl. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Um, all the older guys come and mess with, um, you know, the guys in our class and say, we don't know how blessed we are to have it, not even just to 
a chance at Super Bowl with just the playoffs. You know, um, I was talking to DJ, and he told me one guy he played with his rookie year uh, made the playoffs then, or a guy he knew made the playoffs then, then make it again for 19 years. You know, uh, you know we're blessed in making it back-to-back years in our first two seasons. So, I mean, I don't think we'll realize the Civic is now. Probably after, you know, years pass, we take some time away from it because, I mean, we're just attacking it one day at a time. It's definitely a blessing, though. All right, let's talk a little bit about your alma mater. Mm-hmm. Tulane won two games last year. They've won 11 so far this year. They won the American Athletic Conference title. They ended Cincinnati's home field winning streak. Now they get to play USC and the Cotton Bowl. What's it been like for you as, as an alum to watch that team this year? Honestly, a little jealous. <laughs> I wish I had when I was there. But, no, nah, um, I'm happy for those guys. I mean, I know a lot of the guys. I'm around them, you know, when I get the chance to. And to see some of those younger guys grow up and be the leaders and stuff like that is great for the program, great for Coach Fritz. Um, he's did a great job over there, so I'm happy to see it all come together for him. And, you know, they got one more win to go get, so I'll be tuned in watching before we got to get ready. Have you been doing a lot of bragging in the locker room this year? Oh, yeah, they can't shut me up in there. I, I was <laughs> I was bragging we were 2-10, and 10, so now, now the roles are flipped. They can't shut me up. I'm talking to everybody about Tulane. Well, I hope you are bragging about a victory over USC. Congratulations on a great season. Best of luck against Buffalo. I got you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Finally, it's time for this week's Know the Foe segment. John Murphy is the radio voice of the Buffalo Bills, and he joined Dave Lapham and me this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show. Let's discuss what you folks have been dealing with in western New York, Buffalo has been hit with one of the worst storms in recent memory. It has crippled the city. How is that impacting the Buffalo Bills? Um, so far, it's not impacting them much, to be honest. Uh, the, I mean, with the Bills played at Chicago last uh, Saturday and couldn't get home until late Sunday. So they got home uh, late on Christmas Day, 4.35 o'clock or so. And then they had a couple of days off, you know, just to kind of reset. And that's the benefit of having a Monday game. Uh, the practice week has begun. I think it's going fairly smoothly. Uh, things are where we are in Orchard Park, and I live a couple of miles from the stadium. Uh, you know, there's a lot of snow on the ground, two or three feet, but it was 39, 40 degrees today. It started to melt. It'll be warmer tomorrow. It'll melt some more. And I'm pretty sure by Friday morning, there'll be just a trace of snow. So I don't think the storm, which was considerable uh, here last uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't think it'll have any impact on their preparations for this coming week. Murph, I know you've lost, uh, you know, you've lost players during the season earlier. Von Miller, uh, you know, great edge guy, one of your tremendous safeties on injury reserve. You've had your injuries. Bengals lose L.C. Collins at the right tackle position. So I guess the football god said, well, they don't have Miller. You're not going to have Collins. <laughs> kind of like balance, uh, balance that off a little bit. Is there anybody that's limping and gimping along that uh, – you think might not be able to make the dance or is everybody pretty healthy otherwise? Um, well, somewhere in between. I, I would say a lot of guys are limping and gimping, but they're all kind of gutting it out the last uh, three or four weeks and playing. Among those, inside linebacker Matt Milano, who's got a leg injury that he kind of limits. He get, is limited in practice most of the week then guts through practice on Friday and then plays on Sunday. He would be one of the biggest ones. Uh, safety Jordan Poyer, I know is banged up in a lot of different ways, and he too misses practice time during the week and is lining up and playing on Sundays. It's kind of a whole roster full of people like that. I mean, the guys that you think about, uh, you mentioned Von Miller, obviously. Uh, Josh Allen banged his elbow 
uh, in the Jets game back on November 6th, I want to say it was. And it took him a while to, to recover from that. And uh, he, he didn't miss any time. But I, he's not quite where he was, I think, before that, before he hurt his elbow. And uh, I think it's, I forget the name of the, the nerve in there, the ulnar or something. But um, yep. he's okay. He's not great. He's throwing the ball well. But uh, I know he's playing through some pain. I think the whole roster is playing through some pain right now. It is that time of the year, isn't it? Our guest yeah. is the radio voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. Murph, the Bills were seemingly everybody's pick to win the Super Bowl this year, and rightfully so. Uh, it's been an excellent team for several years now, but was there a burden of expectation on the team because of that? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. I mean, they're, they're an interesting team, and Sean McDermott does a great job of uh, removing any internal doubts the players might have, and uh, uh, he does a great job of getting this team ready to play. Look, they've only lost three times this year, and they, they've won six in a row now. So it'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to say, yes, they struggled through a burden of expectation because I don't know when that was. Um, I, think, I think they've managed to make it through that, and this six-game win streak now is setting them up well for the, a run to the postseason and hopefully, I think, a run through the postseason. And they're aware that they're heavily favored, and I think uh, because of McDermott's leadership and some of the veteran leaders he has, they don't care whether you think they're any good or anybody any good you know what i mean they don't care what the expectations are they don't care uh what people say about them they just want to go out and play and win and that's uh i have to credit mcdermott for a the type of people he brought in to accomplish that and b just his leadership style in general murph i don't know if it's this simple or not but it seems to be when when the game is on the line you know uh the ball is going to be in josh allen's hands he's either, either going to run it or throw it and if he's going to throw it he's going to throw it to Diggs. I mean, you know, Diggs is third in the league in catches with over 100, third in the league uh, receiving yards with over 1,300 and 10 touchdowns tied for second in the NFL. I mean, what what makes Diggs Diggs, and what kind of relationship does Josh Allen have with him? They have a good one. I will say this, Dave. They, um, they've gotten away from that a little bit in recent weeks and sort of expanded their range offensively. Uh, other guys, Dawson Knox in particular and some others, are, are making contributions in the passing game. It's not just Diggs. In fact, Diggs did not have a target in the first half last Saturday in Chicago. He was targeted on the first pass of the second half and made a nice catch and a nice pickup. But um, they, they've tried to expand themselves. They've run the ball more often and better in the last couple of weeks than they did all season long. Now, that being said, Diggs is the most important offensive weapon they have, and uh, I think they want I, I think the Bills have done a good job of expanding their offense and the range of their offense, uh, kind of teaching themselves that – there's more than one way we can move the ball, but I think they all know that when push comes to shove, to get it to Stefan Diggs is the way to go. He's a, a remarkable player, a tremendous competitor. Um, I don't, you know, have an internal line to his, his way he's thinking, but I'm sure he's not crazy about not being targeted in one half of football last Saturday, and I'm sure he right. let people know that, but uh, he keeps it in-house and, and gets the job done, and I think he's all about winning. He's a remarkable competitor. He really is. The voice of the Bills, John Murphy, is our guest. Here's my final question for you, Murphy. It has to do with the Bills' secondary. They lost Micah Hyde, who's a multiple-time All-Pro safety. Their best corner, Tredavious White, who's been to the Pro Bowl a couple of times, just started playing again after missing a year uh, with a torn ACL. The Bengals obviously have a great quarterback and a trio of outstanding receivers. From Buffalo's perspective, is that the concern, that the Bills' secondary versus Joe Burrow and his weapons? Yeah, I mean, it has to be, right? And he's got weapons, to be sure. 
I mean, the Buffalo secondary, yes, Micah Hyde is missed, and he's been out since, I want to say, week two this season. Uh, Tredavious White just came back uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. He is not totally rounded into form. He plays every down, plays every snap, but he's, you know, it's, he's not quite where he was the last few years, and he missed a whole year, more than a year, with that uh, injury. The other cornerback spot is either a three-year veteran, Dane Jackson, or Gair Elam, their first-round pick, and they sort of alternate. Yeah, that's the area of concern. I think uh, I'll tell you one and one other guy because he plays like he's a starter. He almost is Taron Johnson, uh, the nickelback. He's playing great. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league, to be honest. Number seven for the Bills, Taron Johnson. But all that being said, yes, that's the number one threat that the uh, Bengals pose, right? It's it's, uh, it's Burrow, obviously one of the great quarterbacks in the game, and his arsenal of weapons. I mean, who do you focus on? Which one of the three do you focus on? Uh, it, it's pretty impressive and. Yeah, I think that's the number one challenge the Bills will face next Monday night. So I, I know that, you know, uh, McDermott does not want to uh, to blitz much. I mean, he, he rushes for, plays coverage. He's got seven in coverage with, you know, with regularity. Leslie Frazier obviously on board. They they're, they're both have the same mindset in that regard. But with Miller down and with the issues that, you know, they've had in the secondary a little bit, do you anticipate – that they will pick up the blitz, uh, the blitz percentages as the season winds down here, down the stretch, or do you think uh, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do? Well, you know, it's already happened a little bit. They blitz more now and send more pressure now than they did back when Von Miller was in the lineup, and he's been out now since, um, I want to say, before the Thanksgiving Day game. That's when he got hurt, so it's just about a month. They blitz more now than they did before, but they don't blitz a lot, and ideally this defense, I think, is at its best when they have a – a four-man rush and, and drop guys into coverage, as you uh, astutely point out. That's what they want to do. They will blitz when the question comes for it now, uh, when the question, when the issue calls for it, I should say. But I'll be honest, they haven't faced a, a passing attack like this since Von Miller's been out, right? Yeah. They just, I mean, they've, they've rolled through the, uh, uh, the their opponents pretty well with the six straight wins, but they haven't faced a team that uh, can provide the kind of challenge the Bengals did. So. If they're going to blitz more, this, I think, would be a, a game to do it. But I don't think they're ever going to be a, a turn them loose, uh, you know, we're blitzing 60% of the time kind of defense. They they like to play coverage. They usually can get a pretty good pass rush with four. Um, a guy to watch is uh, last year's uh, first-round draft pick, Greg Russo, who's, uh, I'm not going to say he's still in Von Miller's shoes, but he's done a great job uh, rushing the passer as a defensive end. He's been a starter for most of the season. He missed about four or five weeks of an injury, but he's a really good pass rusher. They have a, they had a nice eight-man healthy rotation on the defensive line with the injury, especially Von Miller. They're down to about six or seven now, but they still like to cycle guys through there and get contributions from a number of different guys up front defensively. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.